Due to the graphic nature of this urban legend, listener discretion is advised. This episode includes depictions of murder, gore, and car accidents. We advise extreme caution for children under 13. You're a good person. Everyone says so. You donate to animal shelters. You volunteer at the soup kitchen, even when it's not Thanksgiving. And you call people out when they say bigoted things. So when you see a little old woman waiting by your car, your first concern is for her. You wonder what could have gone wrong. If she knows where she is, what you can do. Of course you'll give her a ride, you say. You help her remember her daughter's address. What a nice person you are, she tells you. You're a mile or two out of town when she reaches into her purse, probably for one of those butterscotches all grandmas have on them at all times. You stop at a light, the flashing red indicating a four-way stop. The driver to your left speeds through, ignoring the right of way. You're grumbling to her about the state of the world when a metal sheen blinks in the blinking crimson half-light. It's a hatchet, and she brings it down on your head. Welcome to Haunted Places, a ParCast original. I'm Greg Polson. Every Thursday, we take you to the scariest, eeriest, most haunted, real places on Earth, and share their stories. This episode is part of our Urban Legends Halloween special. Every day for the month of October, we're presenting our spooky spin on an urban legend, then diving into the history of the horror. Like it or not, each terrifying tale contains a grain of truth. It's also part of our series on Halloween, where we delve into the fascinating traditions behind the world's scariest holiday. If you enjoy this episode, be sure to check out the rest of the Parcast Presents Halloween feed on Spotify. You can find episodes of Haunted Places and all other Parcast originals free on Spotify or wherever you listen to podcasts. To stream Haunted Places free on Spotify, just open the app and type Haunted Places in the search bar. At ParCast, we're grateful for you, our listeners. You allow us to do what we love. Let us know how we're doing. Reach out on Facebook and Instagram at ParCast and Twitter at ParCast Network. And if you enjoyed today's episode, the best way to help is to leave a five-star review wherever you're listening. Today, we examine a family of urban legends that dates back to the 19th century. The Friendly Stranger and its variation, The Hairy-Armed Hitchhiker, amp the fear of strangers up to 11, offering a story about mistaken identity, acting on instinct, and the dangers of taking people at their word. In The Friendly Stranger, a woman charms her way into your car, but as you drive along, you realize something is off. In the hairy-armed hitchhiker variation, she's far hairier than she should be, it's a sign of deception, of evil intentions, and the vulnerable woman who finds the hitchhiker in her car is right to mistrust and fear them. The fear of a false woman is a common trope in horror stories, inspired by the erroneous belief that an evil man needs only to put on a dress and makeup 
in order to be seen as trustworthy. While it has little basis in reality, this boogeyman has even found its way into politics, with many ascribing malicious intent to transgender women simply because of a trend in fiction. But if we examine the deception of the person in the back seat without the specifics of gender identity, we get a far more nuanced take, an examination of the Good Samaritan impulse in an era where we rarely know our neighbors, let alone the people we run into at the mall, at the side of the road, or in our rideshare. In its simplest elements, The Friendly Stranger is a story about a woman struggling to decide how nice a person she can be without risking her own safety. Does she help someone when they ask for it, despite all the potential warning signs? And does being a good person matter if you're dead? Mia was convinced that Black Friday was one of the circles of hell. She hated the nonstop crowds, the cross-genre Christmas music, and the manic energy that radiated the store as everyone struggled to finish their shopping and find the best possible deals on everything. She wasn't even shopping for gifts. This was a gift to herself. She had waited months for designer chenille sweater to go on sale, and she was ready to fight the ninth circle of hell to get it. Usually a trip like this would take 10 minutes. Instead, it had taken several hours to even get to the entrance of the store. People hovered around the metal gate as the poor retail workers struggled to open it. She could see the fear in their eyes, and she felt for them. Mia tried to hang back, but the crowd surged around her when they saw someone who looked like a manager step towards the door. It was a false alarm, but they pushed forward anyway. Elbows came towards her face. She did her best to duck away from them, but one swung straight into her eye. The person behind her pushed into her. Others started pushing from the sides. The gate hadn't even opened yet. As it started to rise, people began to duck under the opening. The rest of the crowd devolved into chaos. Mia was shoved from all sides. She tried to keep her feet steady, but her balance had never been great to begin with. She fell into the person in front of her, but two of them tumbled to the ground. Mia felt pressure on her feet, then her back, then her arms. Desperate shoppers were stepping right over her. She tried to stand, but someone's foot pushed her down again. She covered her head with her hands and prayed for it all to be over. More feet pounded across her body. She felt the gentle pressure of someone trying to step on her head before they changed directions. Mia curled up into a ball, shaking. Slowly, the footsteps began to recede. There was enough clearance for her to stand up. Dark bruises were blooming on her arms. She was sure there were several matching ones on her legs and torso. It hurt when she breathed. Mia staggered into the store like a zombie, praying that her beloved sweater wasn't sold out. There was still one left in her size. She looked left, then right, then plucked it off the rack and held it close to her chest like a lost child. She headed for the checkout. The cashier smiled at her in sympathy. They both agreed that the holidays brought out the worst in people. Mia paid for her sweater and headed out of the store into the chaos of the mall parking lot. She stepped onto the sidewalk, 
only to be nearly flattened by a white SUV with a Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer nose and antlers affixed to it. She threw herself backward, nearly slipping on the black ice of the parking lot. This just wasn't her day. But she had the sweater, and that's what mattered. She took a deep breath and continued forward. She wanted to be home with her cheesy made-for-TV Christmas movies, like yesterday. She passed several Honda Fits as she walked the rows, but none of them belonged to her. Finally, she spotted the familiar worn-out presidential campaign sticker on the back bumper. The car was already on. Mia checked her pockets. Her keys were still there. Maybe someone else had the same sticker, but there was a dent in the back that had come from backing up too close to her mother's planters. It was her car. Had to be. She approached slowly. A head poked up over the rear seats. Panic started to set in. She hadn't taken anyone to the store today. As Mia headed towards her car, she got a better look at the person's head. Short gray curls. Mia tapped on the back seat window. An elderly woman stared up at her. Deep lines carved into her face. She didn't look confused. Instead, she looked at ease, content, happy to be in the back of a stranger's car. Mia did her best to explain why this wasn't where she was supposed to be, but the woman, who gave her name as Dolores, politely refused to go. She was just so tired, and if Mia didn't want people sitting in her car, she shouldn't have left it running. It was very cold out here. Mia was positive that she hadn't left the car running, but maybe she had. She had hit her head quite hard in the rush, after all. She didn't have the heart to kick an old woman out of her car. Dolores asked if she could just drop her home. The bus took too long these days. Everyone was always running behind. She missed the old days where you could just hitch a ride from a kind stranger, maybe end up having a life-changing experience. Mia was exhausted. Her entire body ached from earlier, but she'd always struggled with telling people no. So she got into the driver's seat. Mia pulled out of her spot, nearly colliding with the car waiting for it. She apologized as best she could. Dolores tisked at her. She told Mia that she didn't pay enough attention to the world around her. Mia gave her a strained smile. So Dolores was one of those passengers, the ones who didn't want to converse so much as interrogate. Dolores started to delve into more personal questions. Where did Mia live? What did she do for work? Was there someone waiting for her to come home? These weren't the standard questions she was used to hearing from strangers, and the last one struck her as the oddest. She lived alone, but she lied and told Dolores that her family was waiting for her. Dolores instructed Mia to use the service roads rather than highways. Fewer drivers would make it easier for Mia to pay attention to the road. Mia ignored the dig and followed Dolores' instructions. The sooner she could drop the other woman off, the better. Mia asked for the next set of directions, but Dolores looked lost in her own world. Mia spoke louder, and the older woman spoke again. Her voice 
different than it had been earlier. Harder. Dolores told Mia to be patient. The turn would come when it came. Until then, she should just enjoy the scenery. The large field running parallel to the road was beautiful in the spotty snow cover. But she didn't understand why Dolores was telling her to look at it. Especially when Dolores had just berated her for not paying enough attention to the road. A dog ran through the field, sending powder up with each step. It looked so happy sprinting through the snow, without a leash or a person to hold them back. She wasn't prepared when the dog dove straight for her car. She slammed on the brakes, her whole body jerking against the steering wheel. Mia checked the rearview mirror to see if Dolores was okay. She appeared to have hit her head on something, bent forward, nearly in half. But her wig had fallen to the ground, and underneath was a head of jet black hair. Dolores' hands were free of any wrinkles, as was her neck. Mia opened her mouth to speak when she caught sight of the floor. Dolores' purse had spilled open. Buried beneath cough drops, discount coupons, and chapstick was something that Mia hadn't expected to see. Several large knives, one of them caked in dried blood. Coming up, Mia has to escape from the slasher in her car. Now back to the story. Mia had bravely endured the Black Friday crowds to purchase a sweater, but even after she escaped the frantic shoppers, she found herself with another problem. There was an old woman in her car requesting a ride home. Always polite, Mia resigned herself to the task. Dolores turned out to be a distracting passenger. A few minutes into the drive, Mia almost crashed the car. And worse, the abrupt stop caused Dolores to hit her head. Mia was concerned for her elderly hitchhiker, but the jostling had revealed a terrifying truth. Dolores wasn't old at all. She was young, with several bloody knives in her bag. Mia's eyes darted between the knives and Dolores. Mia couldn't tell if Dolores was completely unconscious or just stunned. Either way, she was closer to the knives. They mocked Mia, her one possibility of protection glinting on the floor of the car near the passenger side door. Mia reached out slowly, keeping her hand as low as she could, her eyes locked on Dolores the whole time. She strained and strained, willing herself to reach, when Dolores stirred briefly. Mia felt cold metal brush the tips of her fingers. It was as far as she could safely reach. She took a deep breath and closed her hand around the blade. The serrated edge dug into her skin. She bit the insides of her cheeks to stop herself from screaming. Mia pulled her hand back slowly. Dolores seemed out cold, but her eyelids were starting to flutter. Mia used her other hand to gently grip the door handle. She pressed it outwards, wincing at the sound it made. Mia pushed the door open, centimeter by centimeter. Her eyes locked on Dolores. Sweat clung to her brow. The knife wound stung. She blinked away tears. 
When there was enough room for her to get out, Mia slithered off the seat and onto the asphalt. She pushed the door back slowly, letting it sit just open enough that it wouldn't make a noise. She bit down on her cheek as she pulled the knife out of her palm. Mia held the knife in her uninjured hand and checked the back seat window. Dolores's round Coke bottle glasses had cracked, dangling precariously off one ear. Mia stared for a second, uncertain if she should run or call the cops. The woman's eyes opened. They were bright, cold, calculating, searching. Mia could only explain her unease in a primal sense. She was looking at a predator, someone who didn't have any scruples when it came to violence. Mia ducked back down and rolled under the car, away from the most obvious escape route. Maybe she could misdirect Dolores. The door on the other side of the car opened and then slammed shut. Mia watched Dolores's orthopedic shoes as they headed towards the field. There was a choice here. Across the street, there were several trees and some houses far off in the distance. If she could get to one of them, she could ask for help. Or she could try and save herself right now. She never hurt someone before. She was a good person, but she didn't want to die. What if she panicked in the moment? She slid out from under the car. Each scrape of the asphalt against her body made her freeze, terrified that her pursuer would hear her. She was so tired. The bruises from the mall made everything sore. Her knife wound stung as it filled with gravel and dirt. Mia winced as she climbed to her knees. The movement was painful and the sound was deafening amidst the quiet of the area. Snow was beginning to fall. She put her knife on the ground and grabbed for the handle with her uninjured hand. Dried blood and small rocks had caked into the wound, making it nearly impossible to close her palm, let alone squeeze with any force. Mia paused. From this angle, she'd lost sight of Dolores. Mia opened the door a little wider. There was almost enough space for her to enter. The door slid open a few more centimeters. Then she was yanked upwards, slammed against the door of the car. Her knife clattered to the ground. She felt a blade against the back of her neck, a small dribble of blood sliding down her skin. Dolores cleared her throat. She ordered Mia to turn around. Mia moved slowly, her body fighting her every step of the way. She was inches from freedom, but she hadn't been careful enough, hadn't been fast enough. Staring at Dolores now, it was hard to believe that Mia had ever been fooled into thinking Dolores was an old woman. Mia hadn't taken the time to study her face in the shadows of her back seat, and Dolores's distinctive glasses were the only detail she'd really noticed. Now she could see the fake ridge lines and the areas where the makeup had sweated off. They stood in silence, staring each other down. Their breath was visible. Mia's puffed in quick gasps, while the trails of her enemy's smooth, long exhales curved up 
towards the gray sky. Dolores was the first to speak. She told Mia to step away from the car and head towards the field. Mia held up her hands in surrender. She took two steps away from the car, coming perilously close to the knife. Mia made like she was going to walk past Dolores. At the last second, she turned, shoving her wounded hand into Dolores' face. Dolores reeled back. Mia capitalized on Dolores' disorientation, grabbing the knife with her uninjured hand. She didn't stop to think her decisions through. She slid the blade across Dolores' throat. The skin split, but she hadn't hit anything major. Mia tried again, making a deeper slash against the woman's neck. Blood sprayed across her face and torso. Dolores brought her hands to her throat. She tried to gurgle out some sort of response. Then she fell, blood splattering in the fresh snow. Mia slid into the driver's seat. She pulled her shirt over her head and wiped the blood off her face. Then she put on her new sweater and headed home. If you go by chain letters and whispered rumors, someone pretending to be an old woman has been trying to abduct and murder women by asking for a ride at nearly every mall in the United States and Canada. The savvy would-be victim tends to realize something is wrong by noting the killer doesn't really fit the conventional appearance of an old woman, usually an overly muscular frame or unexpected amount of body hair. Unnerved by the confusing gender presentation, the woman seeks out security guards who discover the old woman is actually a man with a hatchet in his purse. This notion of a man masquerading as a woman in order to sexually assault and murder dates all the way back to 1834, when the Stamford Mercury reported an account from a buggy driver who noticed a five o'clock shadow under a female hitchhiker's bonnet. The buggy driver asked the woman for help with the horses when she stepped out of the buggy, he drove away. He later discovered two loaded pistols and $800 in cash in the basket she left behind, marking his passenger as not just a social deviant, but a criminal as well. This kind of deception has its roots more in folklore and religious texts than historical accounts. For example, in the story of Little Red Riding Hood, a male wolf disguises himself as a harmless old lady in order to kill and eat a young girl. Boiled down, both Little Red Riding Hood and the hairy-armed hitchhiker are versions of a wolf in sheep's clothing, a saying drawn from the New Testament, which often describes dangerous predators hiding in plain sight. The hairy-armed hitchhiker is itself part of a broader urban legend, loosely referred to as the friendly stranger, in this tale, a well-dressed man with a briefcase approaches a woman as she realizes she has a flat tire. He offers to assist, changes the flat, then asks for a ride over to his car on the other side of the mall. She gets an uneasy feeling and declines. She later finds that his briefcase has been left in her car, containing some sort of blood-stained weapon. He was the one who punctured her tire. This version leans on the tactics used by serial killer Ted Bundy, who would charm women into the vicinity of his car by pretending to be disabled or injured. 
only to beat them over the head and abduct them. To date, there have been no incidents of men masquerading as old women in order to harm anyone. And there is only one confirmed case of anyone using a flat tire as a diversion to abduct someone. On December 16, 1989, 22-year-old Julia Ash was kidnapped from a department store parking lot in Waterbury, Connecticut. She had emerged from the store to discover her car had a flat tire and accepted an offer of help from 29-year-old Cedric Cobb. Cobb sexually assaulted her, bound her, and then threw her off a dam into an icy pond. Julia Ash was found on Christmas Day, her frozen feet sticking out of the ice. Both the friendly stranger and the hairy-armed hitchhiker are about the horror of subverted expectations. In Western culture, shopping malls are supposed to be fun and safe, brightly lit, welcoming. Men and women are exactly what they appear to be on the surface. The hairy-armed hitchhiker indicates the dangers of breaking this schema just as the broader, friendly stranger suggests that valuing the empathy of the Good Samaritan is just inviting yourself to be harmed. For anyone could be a wolf in sheep's clothing. So, who are we to trust? Do installing fluorescent lights and judging people by their outward appearance keep us safe? Or is the only safe choice to lock your car doors and never give any stranger a ride. Thanks again for tuning into Haunted Places. We'll be back tomorrow with a new urban legend and on Thursday with a new haunted place. You can find more episodes of Haunted Places and all other podcast originals free on Spotify. Not only does Spotify already have all your favorite music, but now Spotify is making it easy for you to enjoy all your favorite podcast originals, like Haunted Places, free, from your phone, desktop, or smart speaker. To stream Haunted Places on Spotify, just open the app and type Haunted Places in the search bar. And don't forget to follow us on Facebook and Instagram at Parcast, and Twitter at Parcast Network. Until tomorrow. Don't believe some of the things you hear. Believe all of them. Haunted Places was created by Max Cutler, is a production of Cutler Media, and is part of the Parcast Network. It is produced by Max and Ron Cutler, with sound design by Carrie Murphy. Production assistance by Ron Shapiro, Paul Mahler, Maggie Admire, and Travis Clark. This episode of Haunted Places was written by Lil D. Ritter and Jennifer Rache. I'm Greg Polson.